Park Hopping Podcast number 70, Disney Tops the Charts. Celebrating 11 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan from DisneyFans.com. Remember that, you're going to need it later. And this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 70. The podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Welcome back to the Park Hopping Podcast, recorded live from Des Moines, Iowa. My name is Alan, and until I find a suitable replacement willing to work for below minimum wage... I'll be your host for today's episode. This is going to be a real quick show, folks. I continue to be very busy, but I wanted to mention something while it was still somewhat timely. But first, I wanted to mention that I was surprised to hear a music file I created almost 10 years ago played on another podcast um, last week or so. It was on the Netcot podcast. It was my synthesizer version of the Haunted Mansion Grim Grinning Ghost song, which I called Grim Jamming Ghost for some unknown reason a long time ago. Netcot played it at the end of their Haunted Mansion episode, and it was listed as a techno version, so I guess now I know what type of music that is. It was also played on one of the episodes of A Window to the Magic podcast a year or so back as well. It's an interesting thing seeing how files will circulate around the internet, and even if you put all your credit information inside, that stuff will end up falling out, and no one knows where it came from. This file actually came back to me when I purchased a set of bootleg CDs of Haunted Mansion Rare Audio from some guy on eBay several years back. And it was actually on there, completely different name, but it was my original file and it was listed as, you know, some other thing there. So it's kind of interesting hearing that, which is why I'm going to use it as the background music for this start of the podcast. Incidentally, this was the music I used on the very first Park Hopping podcast back in August of 2005. So you can check it out. Visit the netcot.com site and you can get the podcast. The guy's a total smartass and a lot of people that I've talked to just can't stand him because of that, but I really appreciate and like his type of humor. So honestly, if you've ever heard anything about him and his attitude, check him out. He's a very funny guy and he's one of the few podcasts that I try never to miss, except of course when I miss it. Plus this week he said, but I digress, (laughs) but I digress. With that said, let me uh, get back to the uh, time-sensitive stuff I mentioned at the front of this podcast. A few days ago, a coworker of mine headed off to Walt Disney World on his first vacation there in two years, and he's rigged up some interesting internet technology. If you go to DisneyFans.com right now, he comes back the end of this week, so by the time this comes out tonight, there'll only be a few days. So if you're hearing this later than a few days, it doesn't matter. Anyway, go to DisneyFans.com, go to the main news page, and you'll see a link about tracking my friend live at Walt Disney World. Now, what he's done is he's taken a uh, cell phone with GPS in it and used an online service so the phone will upload his location every five minutes. Then, using some scripts he commissioned to have written and some other pieces of jiggery-pokery, he now can present a map, a Google map that shows his current position in the parks, or you can flip to another view and you can see where he's been for the last uh, the last day. Now, there's some interesting things. What he's actually done beyond just putting a, a position on the map is he's marked off all the areas of Walt Disney World, starting with Florida, then Orlando, then Walt Disney World property, then the individual theme parks, the individual lands, subsections, and so on. So when his icon appears at Epcot Center, you can click on it. It'll say uh, Epcot Center, um, World Showcase, 
France, and then if it has enough detail, it might tell you that he's in the restaurant. It will tell you he's either uh, on the safari at Animal Kingdom or in the queue. It'll tell what restaurants he's near. And he also threw in some extra information like what's in that area. So when you expand Africa, it'll show you the restaurants and the attractions there. And sometimes there'll be links to YouTube videos or more information on websites. Very, very interesting. Again, you can get the link from the front page of DisneyFans.com after this week though he'll be back and i don't know what he's going to do with his blog he's also posting live updates to a blog with photos from time to time but it's a very interesting experience to um, actually kind of watch him in the park now he's going to try to put this together in a way that will let other disney fans make use of this so when you're going on a vacation you might be able to let your friends track you in a similar manner now that he's done all the work to put it together Uh, another thing is if you don't have the type of cell phone service or whatever he works with a provider that can actually use prepaid phones for this and there was a relatively inexpensive phone on sprint nextel that was i don't know 70 bucks something like that and then you could buy a prepaid card to use with the service so it was actually pretty cheap so i'm hoping to do something like that myself the next trip that i make out there whenever that is or possibly use the technology going to some renaissance festivals or uh, disneyland or something like that this year or next so check it out again go by disneyfans.com and you'll find a link to andy's disney tracks blog and we'll see what happens All right, now that that's out of the way, I wanted to talk about something else. If you keep track of any Disney news websites, this is old news already. It came out earlier this week. I've already seen the same information presented on several sites that I pop up in my browser each day. But over at themeit.com, which is um, T-E-A, I don't know what it stands for, an E-R-A, every year they do an estimate of attraction attendance of theme parks around the world. Now, these are estimates because companies like Disney do not release actual attendance values, but they use various ways to research this and they estimate it and they look at um, quarterly reports from the companies to kind of get an idea of how theme park attendance is doing based on income from these publicly traded companies. Well, they've uh, released this year's information and on the theme park listing from the United States, of course, Disney has most all of the top spots. The Magic Kingdom was number one with 17 million visitors, up 2.5% from last year. Disneyland was number two with 14.87 million visitors, up 1%. Epcot was number three with 10.9 million, up 4.5%. So think about that. Disneyland, even though it's a fraction of the size of Epcot Center, still has more attendance each year according to these estimates. In fourth place was Disney MGM Studios at 9.5 million followed by Disney's Animal Kingdom with 9.49 million. Both of those were up 4.5 and 6.5% respectively. A lot of numbers there. Then at number six, we get Universal Studios Florida, 6.2 million, up 3.3%. SeaWorld Florida, 5.8 million. And then in number eight in U.S. attendance is Disney's California Adventure with 5.6 million. And that was down 4.5%. So it's kind of interesting seeing the Feld Disney theme park, Disney's California Adventure, more popular than anything non-Disney other than SeaWorld, Florida, and Universal Studios, Florida. It's it's just a stone's throw away, another couple of hundred thousand people, and it would have been more popular than anything that wasn't Disney. Uh, now, that's kind of interesting if you go and follow the list further, and you can get these reports at themeit.com. Islands of Adventure had 5.4 million. 
Universal Studios Hollywood, $4.7 million. Then Bush Gardens, SeaWorld California, Knott's Berry Farms. And you look at Knott's Berry Farm, right down the road from Disneyland, they estimate Knott's did $3.6 million versus Disneyland more than doubling that. I'm sorry, more than uh, four times, quadrupling that at uh, $14.8 million. And then we go to like uh, some parks in Canada and Bush Gardens and Cedar Point. Cedar Point, $3 million. Uh, Hershey Park, $2.9 million. A couple of Six Flags parks round off the bottom of the uh, top 20. Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey and Six Flags Great America in Illinois, right at about $2.6, 2000000 $2. So the most successful Six Flags park draws $2.7 million. The most successful Disney park $17 million. So think about that when comparing theme parks and people try to wonder why so many people like Disney. Also keep in mind that if you're only experiencing the Walt Disney World parks, there's a lot more people checking out Disneyland each year than Epcot or Disney's Hollywood Studios or Disney's Animal Kingdom. So maybe it's time to start planning a trip out west. Another thing they do is they compile the list of these parks based on a worldwide market. The interesting thing about this is how many more Disney parks take these slots. The number one most visited theme park in the whole world is the Magic Kingdom at 17 million, followed by Disneyland, so still number one, number two, Walt's original Magic Kingdoms in the U.S. Number three is Tokyo Disneyland, which was the third Magic Kingdom to open, followed by Tokyo Disney Sea. those are at about 14 and 12 million. Then Disneyland Paris with 12 million, then Epcot, then Disney's Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, Universal Studios at 8.7 million in Japan, Everland in South Korea with 7.2 million, then we have Universal Studios Florida, SeaWorld Florida, and we get to Disney's California Adventure, the 13th, according to estimates, 13th most visited theme park in the entire world after just a handful of non-Disney parks. So for a failure of a park, Disney's California Adventure is doing a pretty good job considering that it's not too far behind the parks that are not Disney that bump it up on the list here in the U.S., so you can go by themeit.com and check this out. Um, I take these numbers with a grain of salt because a lot of them are estimates. And if you know anything about estimates, uh, for instance, there's a lot of firms that do the same type of thing, estimating the popularity of websites. And I see all the time these lists put together estimating the popularity of various Disney sites based on these estimates. And uh, recently I caught a link on some news article probably about a month ago that was ranking, say, the top 100 Disney fan sites. And I'm getting down to the list, 30, 40th place, somewhere in there, was a site that I host on my server. It's somebody else's site, but it's hosted with my server. And he made the list, and I went, wow, he's like a tenth of the uh, bandwidth and traffic that I get on mine, so I I must be on this list. And I checked up on the list, and I was nowhere to be found, because for whatever reason, the tracking estimates had his site on there, but didn't have the parent site that hosted. So, for all I know, the uh, theme park numbers from Disney could be completely off. So just something interesting, go by DisneyFans.com, follow a link to Andy's Vacation out in Orlando right now, and uh, check out ThemeIt.com for these theme park attendance estimates, and let me know what you think. Now, speaking of getting out to theme parks, the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again, or be like the 13th most successful theme park in the world so they have to rip it up and change it completely 
And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time. Be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse around 53,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable videos from the Disney parks here in the States. If you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com. If you'd rather use the telephone, dial 206-2030-ACP. That's for another crappy podcast. Again, the number is 206-2030-227, and leave me voicemail. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, a short one. Show number 70, Disney Tops the Charts. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with a fuller episode real soon, or maybe in the next couple of months. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting (sighs) podcasts. stuff I did showing up in other places. A friend of mine recently sent me a link to a really cool uh, Disney fan page that some family had put together with all kinds of icons and clip art and pictures and music files and neat little stuff like that. And lo and behold, on the music page was the MIDI file that I did of the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song many, many, many years ago. Except it was the first version and not the second version I did like a week or two later where I fixed some stuff. So I guess that first version made it out and kind of circulated so uh that was kind of cool so those are my two claims to fame in the disney fan audio community modded mansion synth and uh, pirates of the caribbean midi file so uh, if you're looking for it it's uh, on my website disneyfans.com and it's called yoho2.mid it's the two that's the second one I think yoho.mid is there, but the second one's better, and it has a readme file that says that I did it. But of course, you know that now, so you don't need to read it. Music stopped. I, I guess I'll go now. Bye.